Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry, back from vacation. And as you can probably hear, I imported a cold from Edinburgh. But I basically feel fine, just sound stupid. By the way, the interviews today were recorded before I left, so I sounded as normal as I ever do. Hi, so you're looking for a sales expert. <laughs> Absolutely, I can sell anything. You lost your job? I pretty much sold everything, and believe me, I'm up to the challenge. Well, you just might be in luck. You need the right property, and I need the right man. That was a clip from Northern Virginia filmmaker Christopher Schrack's new film, For Sale, a satire on an overconfident salesman who tries to sell a haunted house. Chris shot it in Burkittsville, where the Blair Witch Project was shot. It's one of more than 20 films being shown at this year's The Magic of Horror Festival, which is an annual event that celebrates everything that goes into creating the magic of the horror genre, from screenplays to trailers to posters and, of course, movies. It's this Sunday, November 5th, from 11 to 9 p.m. at their new location, the Airfield Conference Center in Wakefield, Virginia. Keep listening for a special discount for listeners. Sifter Review of the Week. Old Dads on Netflix. Bill Burr has channeled his caustic comedy style into his first movie as co-writer, director, and star. He plays one of three dads who are dealing with the woke culture. This goes beyond parenting in school to interactions with the millennials at the business they used to own. Burr continues his frustrated rants through most of the film, while Bobby Cannavale adds sweet, excited vibes, and Bokeem Woodbine seems to be the level-headed one. Their conflict satirized much of the evolved thinking in the last decade, sometimes to humorous effect. More knowing smiles than real laughs. The film is basically a trio of actors having more fun than the viewers. I gave Old Dads two and a half out of five stars. So Chris Schreck, welcome to Sifter for the Year. Thank you for having me. Your movie is called For Sale. What was the inspiration behind it? Well, back in the the day, I I actually worked for a car dealership. And during this time, I I spent a lot of time with salespeople. And I found their personalities to be very interesting. I I found the whole um, sales culture to be pretty interesting. And to be honest, also a little hilarious. So I, I thought, you know, the idea would be funny if what if one of these personalities with all of their hubris had to sell a haunted house? And that kind of gives you the, uh, gives everybody the, the one sentence plot right there too. Exactly. I noticed it was shot primarily, what it said, shot in Britittville, Maryland. So most of the film was shot in Burkittsville, Maryland, which is actually the same town where they shot Blair Witch Project. Uh-huh. Which was not intentional. I, I did not realize this until we had gotten to the house. This is right. where the house was. And the homeowner told me about this. Uh-huh. So the town was a little wary of another film crew coming in and, and doing a film. So how did you find that house? I actually found that on Airbnb. Oh, really? What I did was I found a number of houses on Airbnb. And before I even booked anything, I sent everybody a message and said, this is who I am. This is what we're doing. This is how long it would take. Are you interested in doing that? And everybody said no, except for one person, the person who owned this house in in Burkittsville. And we were there for two and a half weeks. Wow. It was a house that was used as a makeshift hospital during the Civil War. Hmm. We kind of went into it thinking, oh, you know, there's you know, maybe, maybe maybe some real ghosts in there. There are actually really go- real ghosts in here, you know. So we kind of had that in the back of our mind uh, when we went in. But 
um, not to disappoint any of your listeners, but there there were no ghosts actually in this house. It was actually <laughs> quite a peaceful house in a really lovely town. Right. Now, let's talk about, you mentioned the actors. Uh, let's talk about Andrew Roth and Stephen Montague. They both have pretty interesting IMDb pages. How did you find them and did you already know them or did they just, were this mass audition and they were the ones you selected? Andrew Roth, I already knew. He's actually been in my, um, my two other feature films. For Sales, the first feature film I've done in 10 years. Uh-huh. I did a feature film called Elysium in 2010, and then a, a small horror film a couple of years later called Backwater. And Andrew was in both of those films. So I actually met Andrew because he auditioned for Elysium, and he played the villain in that. And we've we've been in touch ever since. And, you know, uh, we've uh, kind of always bounced back and forth these ideas of like, oh, you know, maybe he should play the lead in in one of my films. So Mason McGinnis was kind of written for him. In fact, the name Mason McGinnis, he came up with that name. Uh huh. So Steve Montague, I met him through Mike Shrzenovich, who plays one of the two members of the ghost couple. Right. And Mike introduced me to Steve because those two had worked together in the past and he really fit the role very well, especially physically. And he comes from a comedy background. Corinne Britty, who plays Claire, she auditioned. So she was one of the few people that I didn't meet through someone else or uh, or someone I knew already. Surprise guest drop in. Laurie, how are you? I am good. Hang on a second. Let me find out where I am on the screen. There we there go. You are. Footnote. Laurie Foley is the co-director of the Magic of Horror Festival, and shortly she'll mention Shiva, which is Shiva Rodriguez, her co-director. So, Laurie, do you, Chris, actually, have you actually met or have you only been communicating on emails and things? We actually met at last year's festival, I believe. Yeah, uh, and one of the earlier festivals, too. And one of the early ones, yeah. This, this will be my third time at Magic of Horror. So, Laura, we, obviously you were on the show last year talking about the festival, and things have changed a little bit this year. Give us a little nutshell on how it's going to be different. Well, everything we thought was set to be back at Firehouse again, but Firehouse went under new management, and apparently through some miscommunications, it wasn't set. So Shiva and I had a mad dash scramble to find a venue, and I happen to actually be on the board at Airfield. Footnote. The official title of the space is the Airfield 4-H Conference Center that's located in Wakeville, Virginia, about an hour south of Richmond. And I was like, "Ah, they've got a great stage. There is lodging on site. It's a fabulous facility. It's actually, I've always been saying, it would be a great place for people to come and shoot. And they were able to get us a date. So we actually started getting excited because we figure this year, obviously, it's a change of venue. It's going to be a little bit different, but we're going to get everybody screened and we're trying to generate buzz and get people excited about it, which from what I'm hearing, people are getting excited about it. We're hoping that next year we will be able to actually bring presenters in and turn it into kind of a horror film fan and horror film filmmaker getaway weekend where we can have educational seminars alongside the film screenings and just turn it into an event. But Mm -hmm. Shiva and I are talking and we're hoping to get feedback from filmmakers on what they would like to see. We've partnered with The Haunted Barn, which is a very cool um, haunted attraction that gets a huge following each year. So hopefully we're going to bring some of their people in as audience 
and maybe maybe build the audience numbers and just basically build it bigger. Give us a little nutshell of how many uh, films are going to be showing and what else is going to be happening, because I know it's not just movies. Um, it's movies, it's shorts and features and also trailers and posters and screenplays, both short and feature. After every block, all the filmmakers will, of course, have a chance if they're there to speak to the audience about their films. The screenwriter is the same. And then at the very end of the evening, we will be doing the award ceremony, which is always super popular. Cool. And also best, uh, best of the Worst is once again showing right before the awards, which is where filmmakers get to send in what they feel is the best example of their, it can be their failure, it can be their, the film where everything went wrong, their film school film, if you were, something that they learned from, and it'll air while I'm calculating audience choice ballots. That'll probably be really popular, too, because everybody loves a bad movie. It was popular the first year we did it. We kind of did it as a lark, I think, because all of us as filmmakers have had a really disastrous outing that you either can hide it in a box somewhere and forget it ever happened, or then eventually you take it out and you laugh at it and you say, well, what did we learn from this? Right, right. And I think that's the important part about it. Oh, let me get this out there on the air, because since if people are listening to this, tickets are $15 for the all-day pass. But if you are listening to this podcast, you can use code MOH2023 and get a $10 all-day pass. Wow. I will put that in the uh, bottom, too. MOH2023, Magic of Horror 2023, obviously. I figure your listeners deserve a... Deserve a five dollar discount on it, and we oh, and we will have a bar open from five to eight p.m., and we will have refreshments available all day long. Great, great, cool. And well, bring your cameras. Come shoot stuff while you're there. It's a great place to shoot, and great people that run the center. They will bend over backwards if you are looking for a filming location to make it happen for you. Great. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you for dropping in and uh, good luck down in Waverly. You are very, very welcome. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing you again, Chris. Looking forward to seeing you too. I'll be there. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. So Chris, let's go back to uh, the project of For Sale. I noticed you shot it, you directed it, and you edited it. How do you make your living? Are you? Uh... I'm a freelance videographer and okay. video editor. Um, I did a lot of the, I did about half of the visual effects and posts. Uh-huh. Most of the visual effects are not effects that are super obvious, but things like taking houses out of the background, removing certain things. For instance, there was a shot where we forgot that there was a painting on the wall and I had to digitally remove it and stuff like that. So I've been doing my own filming and editing professionally for the last 10 years. Is this like corporate type stuff or documentaries or? It, it's It's all the above. From commercials to wedding videos, corporate stuff. So I, I went into for sale thinking, I'll just wear all of these hats to keep the cost down. And that way I, I don't have to spend the time trying to find investors or begging family members for money. I can just pay for it out <laughs> of pocket. Right, right. It was a, a double-edged sword. It was a good thing in the sense that I was able to make it you know, on my own dime and we did it and I, I'm not beholden to any investors, but it was a very difficult thing to do to wear all those hats at the same time. And one of the lessons that I took away from, from the film uh, when I was done was that I, next time I really would like to not be my own DP. There you go. 
you mentioned you did the visual effects. I noticed there is one scene where they're driving outside and there's lightning in the sky. And mm -hmm. I know you can do lightning through a window easily enough, but did you actually do that visual effect or did you just find a lucky night when the when there was lightning? Those effects I did not do myself, but all of those lightning effects are digital. When you see the lightning bolt through the sky, that that's a digital effect. Right, right. And then obviously throughout the house in this scene, when you see lightning, we had a series of small LED panel lights that uh, we kind of used for everything. Right, right. Um, so we use that to do lightning flashes. There's another scene where um, Mason's sitting in the car and a, a police car goes by. And right. that was actually one of these little LED lighting panels on a police siren mode that we just kind of dragged across the car. So Yeah, yeah those are great. Yeah, I've seen yeah. those. They can do all kinds of stuff. It's one of the interesting things about this is that you chose to shoot it a lot of it in the daytime. And I know obviously mm -hmm. usually you like hard to be dark and scary. So why did you decide I'm going to keep it a little brighter? I think because of just the nature of the story, you, you say that, but there's also plenty of scenes in the film that are, that take place at night. Right. Um, for instance, you know, all of the, you don't want to spoil anything for any of the people who might be about to see it, but whenever there's, a scene that takes place at night you know something spooky is going to happen right but i also didn't find it to be realistic if we are taking the point of view of mason and mason um really spends the first half of the movie not even being convinced that the house is haunted right um so in, in that regard he's kind of there and and doing what he would be doing during the day um i also thought maybe it would be a little bit of a challenge to have him in this house where it is daytime, but there there are still things happening that are a little strange. Right. I really got to give a lot of props to the actors in the film, especially Andrew, who played Mason, and Corinne, who played Claire. Um, they really sold the film, and, and both of them just did such a phenomenal job. And I, I really get a lot of compliments often about those two characters and how much people love those two characters. So... Terrific. Um, it, it wouldn't have happened without my amazing cast. Well, Chris, I want to thank you so much for it. I want to wish you good luck at the festival. I will be out of the country on vacation when it happens, so I won't see you in person. But I want to wish you good luck at the festival and good luck after that with For Sale. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That was Christopher Schrack, writer and director of the horror comedy For Sale, that premieres at this year's The Magic of Horror Festival, which runs Sunday, November 5th at the Airfield Conference Center in Wakefield, Virginia. Of course, there's the link on the webpage for this show at TV Jerry, also with that mentioned discount link. Ooh, good, good, yeah. Nice move, Stella. <laughs> good. I'm gonna take care of it. Just don't worry, I'm gonna find him. No one gets harassed in my class, okay? Okay. Call me bitch one more time, and then you'll scar your old face. Bitch. That was a teaser clip from The Peeper, and you heard some women in a pole dancing class until something unpleasant happens. It will also be showing at this year's The Magic of Horror Film Festival. Sergei Pudich is a Ukrainian filmmaker, but he wasn't in his home country to shoot it. He explains why and more. Sergey Pujic, welcome to Sifter. Where are you right now? Hello, Jerry. I'm now right now in Bangkok, Thailand. Oh, you're in Thailand. Okay. And where are you from? Uh, I'm from Ukraine, from beautiful city Odessa on the Black Sea. And when did you leave? I left Ukraine in 2019. And uh, since then, I live in Asia 
First, I meet COVID, being in China, and now in Thailand. Wow, goodness! So, so obviously, you got away before all the、uh, current invasion. Of course, yeah,、uh, yeah. Horrible terroristic attacks that's still yeah. Yeah. going on. So, what brought you to Thailand? Basically, my wife works in the United Nations, so we need to change country every from three to five years. So、oh, before、okay. we were in China, now we're in Thailand. Let's talk about the paper. What was your inspiration for this short? Uh, so this short I did in in China. The main inspiration for it was、uh, the location of the pole dance gym. It was、uh, in the building where I had my office in Beijing, and it was just nearby my friend's office that had、um, lighting company that he was renting and、um, uh, selling the lights.、Uh, I was just passing by、uh, so、many times, and、uh, I always want to watch what what is there to like to peep. And I said, okay, but it can be a movie. <laughs> Why、uh, not? Now you said office. What do you do for a living full time? Are you a full time filmmaker? Yeah, yeah, I'm full time filmmaker. I'm doing、uh, movies, commercials,、uh, documentaries. So the owner of the building is English, and the students and the teachers all have accents. What was the concept behind that? Because in in China,、uh, let's say everyone,、uh, all foreigners,、uh, as they call us, Laowai, speak English. So we need to have、uh, some common language, and we have all nationalities、uh, playing around. There was、uh, Australian main actor, that、uh, native English speaker,、uh, Chinese, Ukrainian.、Uh, Many others, but they were all living in China now. Were they all actors that you recruited that you cast for this film? Yeah, 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 all actors there. It, it's kind of interesting because it's not really clear for the longest time whether it's just a pole dancing gym or it's a stripper training class. Was that intentional to keep it kind of a little bit ambiguous? Ah,、uh, yeah, absolutely. For at least for me, it was、uh, something new thing that comes.、Uh, I don't know, maybe from five or ten years or ten years that、uh, I know a lot of girls that go into pole dance classes, not because they want to work in, in strip club,、uh, just because they want to do it it's, as a sport. So it's interesting. You mentioned that、uh, your friend who had lighting gear lived nearby, and I noticed in many of the scenes the gym was. Had a lot of red wash in it. The hallways were kind of greenish, and the the boss's office kind of had a yellowish tint or greenish tint. I can't remember now. Was that intentional? Was there a design behind that? I, um, yes, absolutely. Since、uh, like most of my movies, I always try to play with light and、uh, create a setting, the、uh, special uh,、um, lighting that gives a certain uh, vibe and certain、um, understanding what's going on. So the pole dance gym is hot, so it's like a, it's a, a sexy one. The antagonist office uh, is uh, uh, is bluish,、uh, that is like a kind of opposite of what's going on there. And uh, uh, corridors uh, greenish, uh, yellowish color. Making、uh, suspense and uh, more um, uh, horrorish style. And I noticed also that the antagonist office was full of old and new. You know, had surveillance cameras and lots of old traditional analog cameras. Were they already there, or did you put those in to make a statement? No, it's mine. <laughs> oh, those are all yours.、Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I brought it from,、uh, decorated like that. So, so basically, he's doing it for a long time. And what about the little boy? Where did that come from? No, I feel for the script that it's、uh, it's necessity to first of all to uh, leave uh, the ending is open. Who is、uh, real people? Who is not? To add more、um, drama to the movie. The, the, this boy is、um, Italian neighbor, son of、huh? our Italian Italian friends. It's interesting that you said、uh, that he showed up at the end, but actually 
there was more because as I always do, I was watching the credits and suddenly it pops back in to show a last little scene there, which is one of those things I always tell people, always stay through the credits. I'm assuming you did that intentionally as the little twist surprise there. I put the uh, post credit shots almost in all my movies. I like it till there. And I think it's a very nice scene that shows uh, all mankind when they, what, they, what they think about the situation, even the police. Right, right. And you say mankind, that's interesting because obviously the movie is very much from the woman's point of view, the statements it's making, and obviously the women are most of the performers in it. And you're a man. Was that intentional? Was did you work with your wife on that, or did you? How did you decide to, to make these strong feminine statements? Yeah, again, in uh, in all my art and on my, all my movies, I've always tried to push up the uh, social problems uh, that appears in, in appears um, important in the world. Uh, and uh, I think that one of the uh, biggest problem and underestimation for the humanity that um, uh, for, since long time a woman was not able to uh, make a big difference in uh, political and social life. Uh, that's why I think that it's important to tell it and to encourage young woman to do more stuff and to, to gain their goals. This topic is kind of uh, close to me, let's say. One other thing about the editing, I noticed during the final big chase scene, they're running down the hall and then there's several times when it cuts to black and then it pops back up after a second or two. What was your intention behind that? We wanted to create more tension and by trying to do it like without the black gaps, it was not enough. Uh, it was a simple, simple solution to to add uh, add tension. And in the beginning, I didn't believe that it will work, uh, but we tried, and and it appears it works. I'm like wow, <laughs> okay, uh -huh. good solution. And what was the biggest surprise after you made it? Uh, I think the bigger surprise um, was that the movie is good. <laughs> <laughs> in the beginning, I, I don't know why. Um, after shooting, I thought like, okay. No, it's not will work. Uh, something wrong, something missing. It, it was not. The, the, there was not good acting. There was not a good shot. There was uh, everything was wrong, and I didn't want to to edit the movie like uh, for three months probably. And only after, after three months, okay. But I already spent money. I I did spend time. Everyone waits for it. I I need to finish it. And I edit it, and it, it appears uh, surprisingly that it's good. Like uh, wow, cool. Yeah, it's a good thing you did. You know, go to all that trouble to finish it. Sergi, I want to thank you so much for doing this, and I'm assuming you're not coming for the festival no no it's too far <laughs> that's a little far well may maybe in the future when you have your feature they'll be able to feature you and you can come over for it yeah for feature for feature i would come for, for, <laughs> for sure no. all right you hear that laurie okay thank you very much thank you jerry thank bye you bye-bye that was Sergei Pudich talking about his short, The Peeper, that'll screen at this year's Magic of Horror Festival, which is Sunday, November 5th at the Airfield Conference Center in Wakefield, Virginia. There's a link on the webpage for this show at TV Jerry, as well as the way to unlock the discount. Coming soon. In theaters. Priscilla. You've seen her story from Elvis's point of view, but this film looks at his wife when she met him as a teenager, told through the eyes of Sofia Coppola. What happens later? Meg Ryan has taken a long break from her staple rom-coms, but she's back with this one, which she also directed. She and David Duchovny play ex-lovers who get trapped overnight at an airport. Rustin. Coleman Domingo plays Bayard Rustin, an openly gay civil rights activist who was highly influential to Martin Luther King, directed by George C. Wolfe. The Marsh King's daughter, Daisy Ridley, plays a young mother who confronts her past as the child of a kidnapper. And of course, things get more complicated from there. Also with Ben Mendelsohn and Brooklyn Prince. Divinity. 
set in a dark future, is there any other kind, where there's a quest for mortality that goes horribly wrong, with Stephen Dorff and Bella Thorne. The Tunnel to Summer, The Exit of Goodbyes, the latest Japanese animation about a special tunnel that gives you your heart's desire in exchange. Radical. This import centers around a teacher in Mexico who tries new methods to reach his students. The Slaughter Rule is a 2002 sports film that's probably being re-released because of star Ryan Gosling. And there are a bunch of special events featuring King Crimson, The Stones, K-Love, and Titanic the Musical. Check out the Movieland site for details. TV and streaming. Nyad on Netflix. The true story of a 60-year-old woman, played by Annette Benning, who decides to realize her lifelong dream of open swimming from Cuba to Florida, 110 miles. Also starring Jodie Foster as her best friend, former lover. Quiz Ladies on Hulu. Aquafina and Sandra Oh play estranged sisters who must unite to help cover their mother's gambling debts. Also look for Will Ferrell, Jason Schwartzman, and Tony Hale. Lawmen Bass Reeves on Paramount+. Plus. The latest from Taylor Sheridan stars David Oyelowo in this truth-based story about the first black deputy U.S. Marshal west of the Mississippi. The character was reputedly the inspiration for The Long Ranger. The Buccaneers on Apple. That's the nickname for a group of America's new rich women who travel to England to snare an aristocratic husband, based on Edith Wharton's novel. Fingernails on Apple. A new tech related to the title proves true love, but Jesse Buckley's character is confused when she meets another true love. The men are played by Riz Ahmed and Jeremy Allen White. All the Light We Cannot See on Netflix. A Nazi soldier is assigned to find the woman who's sending messages through occupied France. She also happens to be blind. This is a drama directed by Sean Levy. Invincible, the new season of the animated series about a teen whose father is the most powerful superhero on the planet, returns on Amazon Prime. Next week on the show, we'll feature Matt Paxton, the host of the two-time Emmy-nominated series Legacy List with Matt Paxton on PBS, and a featured cleaner on the hit television show Hoarders. I'll see you next week and hopefully sound better. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.